Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, we bring on Fadi Dawood and Matt Wilson, and the reason I think I'm so pumped to share these kinds of talks, and maybe just it's the cheesiness of me, but I love it when I feel it's Canadians helping Canadians locally, and we're all helping each other, because these two guys bumped into someone who's worked with us for a long time, Tim Hong. Tim started helping them buy investment real estate. I feel like it's been a decade. We get into it on this episode. And then now they've come on the podcast and they're sharing their story and their journey. Because when they started doing this stuff, they were in their early 20s. Now they're in their early 30s and they're reflecting back on all the things that they went through and just sharing their experiences and what they've learned and what they're going to do next. So to be able to, to have them come on here and share their story where somewhere else, someone else may take some motiva- motivation, some instruction, a little piece of wisdom from them and apply it to their own lives, I really feel that we're all helping each other. And I understand how cheesy that may sound, but I don't care. Nick and I strongly believe in this, that together we can all share information. I mean, this, earlier this week, we had Ali on from Tahini's Restaurant sharing about his story coming to Canada. Today, we have Fadi and Matt here to share their stories. Later on this week, we have another, another podcast where Daniel Prince from the UK is going to be sharing his story and his journey and how he's living life on his terms. So I really just feel that there's a group of us out there and we can all help each other through the madness of what the 2020s so far are. So just thrilled to bring on Fadi and Matt to share their story. I really think you're gonna enjoy this. They've been Rockstar members for, for a long time and we are super proud to associate ourselves with two amazing guys like this. And if you are listening to this and you wanna get some information, just like Fadi and Matt did when they were starting out, you can go and get some of our latest books and reports and register for our free introductory training class. It's a 90-minute class where Nick jump on and go through all the strategies that we're using in real time today with investors here at Rockstar. And then we stick around afterwards to handle any Q&A that you have. So if you have any questions about interest rates or mortgages or cash flow or duplexes, student rentals, rent-to-owns, flipping, burr strategies, whatever comes to mind, you can stick around and ask us on the Q&A and we'll, we, we will gladly answer. And you can get access to all of those things at rockstarinnercircle.com. And if you want the app to get access to those things, you can go to ylytapp.com. That's ylytapp.com. Ylyt stands for Your Life, Your Terms. See how that works? Ylytapp.com. That's enough with this intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, we are live with Fadi and Matt. Fadi, I'm saying your name name correctly. Yes, right? Fadi. I, I always feel like I'm going to screw it up, and I never want to screw it up. You and probably 26 million other Canadians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> what's the nationality behind that first name? Um, so I was born in Dubai, which is in the United Arab Emirates, but my parents are from Egypt. Wow, I don't know if I've met anyone born in Dubai. Yeah. People are born in Dubai? I only hear people like who moved to Dubai for work, yeah. you know, traveled through Dubai. I feel like a lot of people are in Dubai right now because I feel like, the, I don't know, the pools at the hotels are open or something yes. from what I can gather. <laughs> I, I think they race through the COVID reopening stuff. So it's a good tourist destination. Yeah. So, but born in Dubai, oh, because your parents were working there. Yes. So Egyptian. Yeah, so they, they they met and got married in Egypt, and then basically that was where all of the career opportunities were because of the oil and gas boom back in the 80s. Um, so yeah, they went there, and my brother and I were both born there, and then um, moved to Mississauga when I was 10 or 11. Dubai to Mississauga. Yeah. Man, that yeah. seems like a heavy move. That's like oh, yeah. <laughs> It was wild. Dude, we grew up in Mississauga. What, what part of Mississauga? I guess I know this and I've forgotten. Where in Mississauga? So we first moved to her Ontario and Eglinton. Okay. So really close to square, square one. one. Yeah. yeah. And then we moved up the street from her Ontario from her Ontario and Eglinton to basically Mavis and Eglinton. So we moved two oh streets up. Oracle was just up the street, dude. Yeah. I was stalking your territory while yeah. I was working at Oracle for sure. Exactly. Holy shit. Well, that intersection I remember was like 
nothing. There was like nothing there. Like I remember when my parents bought that house there, they, they bought a pre-construction townhouse. I'm like, where are we? Like, what is this place? <laughs> <laughs> There's nobody here. <laughs> that was like, I remember. So Nick and I grew up at like Dixie and Rathburn. I don't know if that means anything to you. Like yeah. Dixie and Burnhamthorpe or Dixie and Eastgate Parkway, Mississauga, kind of there, just east of there. And there was a time where I was riding my bike on Rathburn Road and it was like a hill you would go down and you could kind of see like almost all the way to square one and it was just farmer's fields. Yeah, there's nothing there. There was nothing yeah. there. And now that's all subdivisions, of course, where you are, it was that was farmer's fields. Like farmer's fields, yeah. When I was you know working at Oracle, a big chunk of that was still farmer's fields. Yeah, exactly. And now in Mississauga, you just can't freaking move. Yeah. But Dubai to Mississauga, man, that is like... Winter. Whoa, that feels like a <laughs> wild move. It was oh, wild. Wow. Yeah, my, my first winter in Mississauga was something I'll never forget. Like I remember my brother and I were sharing a room and we woke up and looked outside and it was like the first snowfall and we were just like faces to the glass, just like staring like, what is that? So yeah, first winter was not fun. Didn't have the right gear to handle the cold, but we figured it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny. Um, Ali, a uh, gentleman by the name of Ali from Tahini's, it's a shawarma place yep. in London, Ontario was just here. Their family is Egyptian yep. and they came here as well. Is there a large Egyptian community in the Toronto area? I would say it's gotten a lot bigger. Yeah. Over probably the last couple of years, there's been a, a huge, I feel like when my parents moved here, everyone was like immigrating out of the Middle East. Like everyone was like, you basically went to the States, you went to England, you went to Canada, whatever, wherever you could get in. I think my parents had like three or four applications going and then Canada was the fastest. So they're like, all right, we're going here. Um, so yeah, there's been a big, big wave of, of people. And even until now, people are, I mean, it's gotten harder to immigrate now, but people are still trying to do it. And I mean, if you look at what's unfortunately happened, um, a couple of years ago in Egypt, there was a huge currency devaluation when they took uh, a big loan from the IMF. So that's, we were just talking about that because yeah. when Ali's family left, they were saying between that period of deciding to leave and actually getting into Canada, 65% loss in the purchasing powers of power of their currency of yeah. their life savings. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. We had, so we have family friends who just had cash in the bank in like five, six years ago. And, and yeah, they, they took like a 50% haircut. So they're like, we got to get out of here. Like, it's just not. So that's, that's, I'm insanely grateful that my parents made the decision that they did to leave because they, they left a very good life behind and they probably took 10 step backwards in their forties to bring my brother and I here. Crazy, right? But, um, so grateful that they made that decision. Do you think you could ever, and Matt, I'm coming to you yeah. in a second. I feel like <laughs> we're, time. Uh, I like this. no, but this is interesting. Do you think there's ever a time because you were born in Dubai, it would be easy for you um, to go back and create a life there. Like, I guess you could kind of go over there pretty easily. You have status, right? You're, you must be a citizen. Nothing, nothing. Even being born there, you, you, you didn't get any citizenship. Um, my parents were basically expats, so you couldn't uh, buy any property. You basically didn't own anything. Um, now they've changed the rules because they've built up so much real estate that they are letting expats and foreigners buy in, but at the time, no. So, so we didn't have any citizenship. Um, and basically if you didn't have a job or you couldn't get a job, you were pretty much out. That's so, crazy yeah. to me. It's almost like you're living in this country, but like you're being told we don't want you. What a feeling. It's no? crazy. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. I'm not saying you like felt that it's yeah. just hearing that. That's like it's kind of, Oh. Yeah. Anyway, we're all grateful that you came here. We want 100%. that you get to come here. Yeah. Um, holy shit. What a story. Your parents are still here? My parents are still here in the same house in Mississauga. And you guys uh, have like snow shovels and shit now? Yeah, they, <laughs> figured, they figured it out. Yeah, they figured it out. This comes every winter. This yeah. isn't a fluke. <laughs> it's, a, it's a regular holy thing. Holy crap, man. This country, does, it's great, but it has some real downfalls. <laughs> yeah. No, it's pretty And then nice. Matt, born here? Born in Toronto, yeah. yeah born born and raised. In, born in Toronto. And uh, I was born just off Western Road, uh, Road. born in Toronto as well, um, and raised in Toronto. And your parents? Uh, my dad grew up in Winnipeg. And then moved to Toronto, I guess, when he was a teenager. Come close to the mic. Come close to the Come mic. Pull too far? Yeah, yeah, he, uh, yeah, he was born in Winnipeg and then came to Toronto when he was a teenager. Yeah, got um, it. Go yeah. Jets. 
yeah, Jetsko. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we Andrew was an, another longtime Rockstar member was just on here, and he was born in Winnipeg too. What the hell? Winnipeg's yeah. representing all of a all sudden. Right. We've had no one from Winnipeg, and all of a sudden we have multiple people from Winnipeg. Yeah. Winnipeg, you're going the reverse. You're going from you come to the winters here. Yeah, and like, no, oh, man, it's like summer. It's not minus ten in the middle of October. This is yeah. amazing. Yeah. I'll never forget the first time I went um, for work to Edmonton, and it, I swear it was mid. Maybe it was late October. I feel like it was mid October. Major snowstorm. And I remember coming around the corner of one office building and I guess some guy was blowing snow from the sidewalk or something and I didn't see him and I looked and then just snow just blasted me in the face. I'm like, how is this October? I'm Canadian. I'm not even used to this stuff, right? I go, holy smokes, I'm sheltered. We call Edmonton Deadmonton. Oh, yes. (laughs) Winnipeg is making fun of Edmonton? Holy shit. That's some politics of Canada I was not aware of. Some snowballs going back and forth. So And then how do you you guys cross paths? How does this journey start here? First job uh, out of of school, working at Unilever. Um, Yeah, we just kind of cross paths in the office. Yeah. Yeah. We, we were both, um, we both worked in sales at Unilever. So Unilever is um, CPG, like a consumer packaged goods companies that owns brands like Dove and Knorr and stuff. So Matt and I both overlapped together on the sales team. And I think, yeah, we just kind of were in a bunch of meetings and we got to know each other. And that's kind of how our friendship started. Yeah. In 2011. Yeah, because I started in 2010 as like a sales rep on the road, didn't know anybody in the head office. And then when I came in in 2011, thought he was there. And and so then did you guys, when you met each other, is this where the real estate journey starts together? Like, is it one of you guys going to the other guy going, I there's this real thing called real estate? Oh, no. Yeah, no, no, no. no. I, How did that go? So my buddy, Corey, who knew Tim Hong, who's been our agent and been such a great agent. And Tim's been a yeah part of Rockstar now. I feel like for over a decade, yeah. I've, I've lost track. Since the old days, job. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Did a rent to own with Tim and and kind of said to me, hey, you got to meet this Tim guy. You know, he knows what's going on. So Fadi and I met him for lunch one day, just kind of out of the blue. Um, and it was history. I mean, he just made us feel at ease and it was great. So like, very was, unassuming. Dude. Tim is not a very in-your-face <laughs> not kind in, of, Not no, a pushy guy yeah, at yeah. all, no. So the funny thing was is when, when Matt and I started to become close friends at Unilever, we both were trying to figure out, like, how do we have passive income? Like, how do we figure out? We all go down that yeah. rabbit hole, right? How like, do yeah, we yeah. figure out, like, how do we keep our jobs? Because we liked our careers. We liked our, the people that we worked with. And we could see the career. But, like, how do we also have something else on the side? So before we did the real estate um, through Tim, we tried to, like, buy a Canada Post office location. <laughs> so true. We, yes. we looked at a, a Hero Burger franchise. Like, we, we well, went like down this. You can this... buy a Canada Post lo- I guess so, because they're in, like, hasty markets yes. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you can buy them. We, yeah. I never really thought this through. Yeah, of course. I didn't realize. We, we, so in our office building in downtown Toronto, we basically walked in to a little Canada Post because we're like, hey, we know this place. There's a lot of people coming in. <laughs> and we took the guy out for lunch and we're like, hey, we never met this dude. Like literally this random guy who owns the place. We're like, look, just level with us. Would you sell? <laughs> This oh is prime location, God. Young and Bluer, <laughs> Canada Post. That's awesome. That's such a that's to me such a tell that someone is going to be entrepreneurial in their lives. When you're having because you guys said you're in your twenties doing this. Yeah, 20, when you're in your twenties doing that stuff, because Nick and I have both have similar stories of stuff, you know someone is gonna get into something. When you're taking some guy random guy out for lunch and basically making him an offer yeah. on his, that you know nothing about other than looks like a lot of people go here yeah Yeah. and he wanted like 800 grand or something and that was just for like the franchise right it's not rent or anything on top so we were like okay this is too expensive for us too much (laughs) okay thanks uh can you cover lunch too we're (laughs) yeah yeah we're out of here (laughs) and then i think we were really into hero burger at the time because like they were like in 2010 2011 they were blowing up they had locations everywhere so we went down the route of trying to open up one of their franchise locations. And then when they found out that Matt and I had a job, they're like, no, you, have to, you have to be full time. So we're like, OK, scratch that idea. <laughs> Which is probably good advice. There's probably not enough margin to support you and yeah. the business at, out of the gates. Wow. OK, Hero Burger is out of the question. Yeah. Post office out of the question. What do you guys do next? Are you starting to... Uh, I remember part of my journey was sharing, uh, I bought some VHS tapes and uh, I was watching how to trade pork bellies with my wife nice. in the basement of my parents' house. I'm like, Carol, 
listen, we're going to trade these pork bellies and here's how it is. We got, you got to watch these videos with me. And it was all the indicators that you now get on the internet, like so easy. Mm-hmm. But before you had to subscribe to a newspaper, yeah. I think it's called the Investor's Business Investor, Daily. Investor, IBD, yeah. Is it, that's still out there, right? Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I paid for an American subscription to get, wow. and it was sent like, I think a day late. So the, you know, like the MACD and all the different things you're yep. looking at, yeah. it was always like a day late. So when wow. I was trying to trade pork bellies on this stuff and looking back uh, on all these memories, just as you're sharing, you just laugh, right? Like what the heck were we doing? <laughs> but that's how the journey begins. Yep. So what happens yeah. next? This is when you get into real estate or not yet. Yeah. It's like exploratory. So yeah. I guess after we met Tim, he kind of told us how it works. We had no idea. Talked to us about rent to own and renting a single family home and I think we went back to the office and started on the drawing board where do we want to go and threw darts around Toronto. Yeah, so so Tim told us about um, rent to own in Kitchener. So Tim Tim was from Kitchener. Matt went to university at Laurier, so he knew the area well. Oh, perfect. And okay. I, I, I'm just like, I don't care where, like, let's just do something. Because yeah. Body's been, like, just get me into the freaking market. Yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> like we've been trying and trying and nothing's working, so let's just do something. And then um, we signed up. So, so Tim basically said, okay, I work for Rockstar. They have this program, you know, go sign up. It's an intro class. You know, they'll tell you oh, about shit. rent to home. Okay. Yeah. So that's when we cross paths. Yes. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So, so we came in for one of the, um, introductory classes and I still remember Tom, you were teaching the, you were running the class and you were basically, there was probably like 15 or 20 of us in this classroom and you were pitching rent to own and how to rent to own works and, and you were I wasn't through. pitching Fadi. I was sharing, sharing. valuable sure. information. Okay. Sure. There was no pitch. There I, I work no- I work in tech now, so everything everything is a pitch to me. But you you just had all of these like bulletproof slides on the ROI and the cash flow and everything and, and nothing like I'm just like this doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. But his pitch is so good. I just where do we sign up? Like, where's the, where's the membership? It was all about taking cash out of one property, yeah. buying another and another. And where's the, we were lost, but we went ahead with it. Yeah, yeah you, you guys are crazy. More proof that you are crazy and entrepreneurial all at the same time. So that's very cool. Um, so you sign up, you do this thing. And then what, Tim takes you out to Kitchener and you yeah. buy a property? Is that your first property? But before we get there, were you sold on real estate in some other capacity? Like, had you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Or like, you know... No, this was new. Okay. This is brand new. Yeah. yeah. I, I had never read anything about, um, I mean, I, but I, you knew it was passive income yeah. in some capacity. Yeah. yeah. I, I knew that like the, the idea is, yeah, buy a place, you know, make sure you can make money on it. Like it cash flows. And then you just kind of go from there. Like I, I figured out the, me- the mechanics, but I, I don't think we were that well. And you're versed. both in your twenties at this point. Yeah. I was 23. Three? And I was 22. Yeah. yeah, 22 and 23. So yeah. you're both equally, yeah, yeah, adventurous in this regard. But then when you tell both of your, are you communicating back to your parents at that age still? Because you, or are you just saying you're not talking to them about this? I remember my parents saying, who's this body character? Like, do you know him well? And yeah, I was like, oh, I met him at work six months ago. <laughs> we, I don't think we even like, this This is not good advice. So don't do what I'm telling you to do. But I think we signed like a formal JV, like, a couple of years after we started (laughs) so yeah don't do this it's not a good idea but yeah we we kind of just jumped in it with and with both feet and yeah my my parents are like what are you doing and who's gonna pay for this and it was just yeah we didn't we didn't get into too much detail yeah and i remember my buddy his dad like worked for a bank and he was high up so i really trusted his advice and he goes matt you're really levering yourself here you know whatever it was at the time it was a high leverage number you know if the market swings against you you're going to be underwater and all this stuff but uh we just kind of held yeah. firm and kept moving forward, <laughs> which is good. He had your he had your best interests, and he was worried for you. And it's you want those people around you as well, right? But uh, I'm glad you didn't listen. Yeah, didn't <laughs> listen at all. I was one of the rebellious 22 year olds. Yeah, 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 got it. Okay, so then you go out and you Kitchener and you guys buy this place. So our first property was hilarious. So. Tim took us out pretty much like every single weekend to look at listings and we didn't really know what we it was were hard looking. to get. People think it's hard to get property always when they're looking, yeah. they don't understand. It's been hard to get property since the, we started this business. Yeah. Like there hasn't been a moment really maybe in 2008 when some of the U S media are in the great financial crisis, there kind of slipped up here a little bit and everyone paused, paused for six yeah. months, maybe. Yeah. But other than that, it's always been hard to get property. Yeah, exactly. Like we, we were looking, I think for our are first you guys finished property, your tequila? You're both almost, almost, almost chipping almost. away at it. Chipping away, <laughs> chipping away at it. Um, 
we, we were like going out every single weekend for like two or three months in Kitchener trying to find a place. Um, I think the first place that we bought had been on the market for like 60 plus days. Um, we were trying to find a nice starter home to do rent to own. So, you know, 1300 square feet, three bedroom, pretty basic. And this property had been on the market for 60 days and we just couldn't figure out why nobody. Yeah, what was the reason? No idea. I guess at, at the time, I think we also That's bought it in the middle of like December. So there wasn't as was much competition for it. Yeah. So we said, you know, let's, this one's been on the market, so maybe we can get a deal on it. So we just said to Tim, hey, put in an offer for it and maybe like take 20K off asking and let's just see what happens. Do you remember what, what was the purchase price roughly? 272. 272 in Kitchener for a fully detached, fully detached, unfinished basement. But like our criteria was, would we live in it ourselves? Like, is it good enough that we would live there? And it was a 2005 build, Um, backyard, one stall garage, you know? So we said, okay, let's, let's get a deal. So it's 272. I think we went in 10 K under asking. I think we were like 10 or 20 K. And the kicker was Tim put a clause in our offer that asked the um, oh, sellers yeah. to pay our closing costs, yeah, yeah, which yeah, back yeah. then you're allowed to pull that kind of <laughs> stuff off. That, that was crazy. When yeah. we, we had one of our lawyers draft that clause for oh. us and we started using it and we would have realtors call us and say, guys, this is illegal. You can't do this. You got to do this. Tell me afterwards that you want to do this. And we were like, no, 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 wait a second. If you don't put it on paper on the agreement of purchase and sale, yeah. that's like a fraudulent activity. Exactly. We want to put it on paper that we are asking for the seller to pay for our closing costs. And I remember when we started getting it approved by some banks, Nick and I were both shot, like, oh my God. Because yeah. there was a time around 2006 where you could also do 0% down as an investor. As an investor, yeah. And it was, we did some deals at 0% down and the seller paid for our closing fees. It's and amazing. we were like, why, you know when you have those moments you're looking around like why isn't everybody doing this like are we missing something here yeah. is it you know but uh that's cool that you guys put that in there yeah. tim probably had a major negotiation on his hands to get that through i don't know if it went through did we, it go it didn't it didn't go through and i think we had a we had a furious negotiation so so the other nice thing is tim found out for us he always has good intel on on, <laughs> on this on the sellers he found out that the people selling the property were separating so they had to liquidate their assets. Oh, got it. So yeah, we knew so we had, had the upper hand. Advantage. Yeah, yeah. We knew we had the upper hand. So I think we negotiated for a while, and then we ended up getting the place uh, like 10k off the ass. Yeah, it was 267, 5k off the ass. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And our big tool was they kept coming back saying you have to go list, you have to go list. Um, we had a we actually ended up offering list, but there was a home inspection done, and there was a retaining wall in the back that was looking like it was going to fall. So we said, you know, we're going to need 5K off just to repair that retaining wall. To this day, the retaining wall is still there. We got the house yeah, 5K off. It, yeah, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard to argue argue those things because if the retaining wall looks like it needs work, it's hard to argue that it doesn't need work, yeah, right? And then exactly. you kind of get those things. Yeah, yeah I know we, we purchased a property once with an oil tank in it and we're like, listen, we don't want the oil tank. We're going to have to convert it. It took us like 20 years to convert nice. the freaking thing, right? <laughs> nice. Now, we always had the intention to do it like yeah. in one year. Yeah. But that one year always became, well, it's working. F- I guess it's working. F- I guess yeah. oil is allowed. Yeah. You know, just it's just kind of delayed it. So good for you guys. You guys got that property. And then you're able in your 20s, I guess you're pooling funds, but you're just scratching and clawing at wherever you can get the money for so, this. So what we did is... Um, you don't have to share all your, your insider story <laughs> here, but I'm just curious yeah. as to... like it's a, it's a joint thing here where you guys are pooling together. Yeah, 50. we were doing yeah. it 50-50. And, and yeah, we're open books on this stuff. I mean, we want people to hear this so that they hopefully are inspired to, to start taking some action too. But um, we were fortunate that we had good careers, you know, stable income and everything else. So, yeah, we pulled our assets together. And then Dave Butler at the time who we were working with. And hey, Dave, if you're you're listening to this, um, he basically told us to apply one at a time so that we were not impacting both our credit scores. So it gave us the ability to buy multiple properties. Got it. So you were joint venturing, but only one of you would be on title for this particular property. Got it. Exactly. Exactly. So that that worked out really well. And then. I think during the time that we were building our portfolio, we literally like, I know me personally, like every paycheck, my bonuses, everything was going towards this. So for like a a three, four year period, I had no disposable income because I was trying to buy these houses in Kitchener. (laughs) You were playing the long game. Yeah. 
You were playing because it'd be easy to spend the money, yeah. especially at that age. Exactly. You were playing the long game. Exactly. Everything in life to me, if you play the long game and whatever it is you're doing, your health, your wealth, your, you know, whatever it is you're doing, if you play the long game, you end up winning. Yeah. So that's yeah. the right move. Yeah. I don't know how you had the discipline to do that, but that is the right move. Yeah. So yeah. kudos to, to you guys for doing that. So that one, and then do you, do you, do you operate that one as a rent to own? That first property, we, or do you no. just try desperately? <laughs> and then what did you do? Rent it out just straight rental? Straight rental. And yeah. did the numbers work as a straight rental? I think we cash flowed a couple hundred a month. Just just got by. Yeah. Okay. Which helped pay repairs and stuff that, that came up. But the funny story is, is how we got the tenants in the first place. Oh, yeah. That was pretty pretty hilarious. <laughs> so we, we had no idea what we were doing. We were reading your PDFs, like the chapters. I remember at night, like in my condo, reading these chapters, like, how are we going to fill this place? We had a lawn sign with a 1-800 number. We put up flyers like on telephone booths. Yeah, so you're doing back all in the, the right things. We're doing yeah, everything yeah, yeah. we can, yeah. right? Um, obviously, Kijiji ended up <laughs> being the yeah, star. Yeah, crushing that. Yeah, 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 Kijiji crushed all of our other efforts. But yeah. Uh, yeah, we got some young kids just out of university in there. I think it was three guys. Three guys, yeah. And uh, yeah, they were there for multiple years. It worked out well. Yeah. Oh, cool. Wow. You rented out to three guys. Not everyone's going to rent. That, that's just, that was easier for you guys because you were young. Yeah. That's it. Because yeah. if the you trust. were in your 40s renting out to three young guys, you'd be like, sorry, we're yeah. not renting out to you guys. But it worked out. Yeah. It worked out. We yeah. trusted their situation. Like three young guys, they each had a bedroom, split the rent three ways. It worked out. And then was there a moment where you were like, okay, I want to buy more real estate? Or were you like, I'm just going to let let this linger for a little bit and see what happens? Like, I know you said you were saving. Yeah. So was it immediate you decided you wanted more? And if it was, what was the line of thinking there? We were trying to do one per year, I think, and then swap between whose name it would be in. So yeah. we bought our next one one year later, um, one it. street away. Oh, <laughs> yeah, got basically. It. Stuck in the same neighborhood. Down the street, yeah. Got it. And that one is, a, a, you got it as a rental as well? We ended up doing everything as rentals just because I think the first one, we're like, hey, we can make the numbers work. So we just kept doing that. And um, which I don't ended know. up working out really nicely. Worked because out well. You're keeping the well. Keeping. You kept some. I don't know if you own these properties still, but these properties just sold the first one. Yeah. The first one we bought that we were just describing, we just uh, sold in Feb. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Since you brought that up, what's uh, that's about a ten year, nine year, eight, nine, eight, nine year? No. About years? yeah, 2013. Eight? So yeah, it'd be seven eight. or eight years. Yeah, eight years. Seven and years. what was the sale price? Are you okay to share that? Yeah. Five eighty. Five eighty. Yeah. yeah. Wow, and you bought it for around two seventy or so. Yeah. Two sixty seven. Yeah. yeah. Almost a yeah. A, a double and a bit. Yeah. 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 Good for you guys. Yeah. Good for yeah. you guys. Um okay, so then you get you get into another property and then do you wait another year and get another property? Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And uh how long can you keep this going for? Well, we so the next year we got a property one street over, rented out to a family that's still there today. Cool. Uh yeah, great family. Um and then the year after, we did one more. Um, and then we kind of stopped it there. I know Fadi did like uh, something in St. Catharines, and we kind of started splitting, but we kept everything together. So yeah, yeah we so, did three. So, so yeah, 2015, we ended up getting a duplex together in Kitchener, which is was insane. I think duplex, like buy, trying to buy a duplex now, like good luck, unless you're willing to like do the conversions and stuff on your own. This was like a ready-to-go duplex on Victoria, which is like a main street, main artery. And until today, it's like our best cash flowing property. And then I think between the two of us, we realized, hey, we figured out how to do this real estate stuff. So we kind of branched off and started buying and just doing stuff on our own. So like I ended up getting a place in St. Catharines for my parents. Matt's gone on to buy cool. like another two places on his own. So we, we kind of built the formula and then we just kind of ran off and kept scaling. And it's not after you do a property or two, you kind of realize you're like, oh, there's not really that much to this thing. Like, what are the numbers? Yeah. Someone's going to rent it out. Yeah. Like that fear of like, will anybody rent it out? That yeah. kind of dissipates. I don't know if you guys had the fear of tenants damaging properties. That's a big mm -hmm. one. People yeah. are always like, oh, the tenants are going to. And that one, um, you get t properties do get worn down. They're lived in. But generally, we've never had a situation where there's just outright malicious damage done on properties. Now we've seen thousands of properties and we have seen one or two cases of that. But if every time I go back to it, the landlord is somewhat complicit in a little bit of what happened there when I get the whole story, right? But yeah. one guy in one of the basements uh, spray painted something about wanting his deposit back or something like it. He spray painted it across oh, the geez. basement walls. <laughs> That's but they're small. In, in comparison, it's, it's a small amount of stories to what we've seen. But you guys kind of figured things out. And then where you you went down the St. Catharines way? Did your parents move to St. Catharines? Was that sorry? Was that an investment property? For that them was yeah, an investment property oh, okay. for them. Yeah. So 
given like the the success that I was having with it, I basically went to them and I was like pounding the table and I'm like, you guys need to get into real estate. And they're, they're just like, what, what's going on? Like they just, they're like, look, we'll give you the money. We don't want to do anything. We don't want to do any work. We don't want to go see properties. We don't want to have tenants. You deal with it. Well, we're happy to like be your partner on and it. And probably in their upbringing, yeah. it's not a thing where people no. are going to buy. Like I can't imagine in Egypt. I don't know where in Egypt they're from, but like let's pick the big city like Cairo or something like I don't know how many people are going around buying properties in Cairo right now. Those are probably passed down from like generations, generations. right? So yeah. it was probably very foreign to see their son out there yeah. doing yeah. doing that. They they um even if, until today, I don't think they fully wrapped their head around it, but they're like, hey, like, are the tenants still paying us? Like, they send us money. I'm like, yeah, everything's good. We're all, <laughs> everything's great. <laughs> so you're the property manager for the parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, in 2015, I mean, I started just doing stock market stuff. I took a little break from real estate. We had our three houses. And then in 2020, I ended up buying two duplexes in Aurelia. So that was kind of my entrance back. Oh, nice. Uh, in Aurelia. Yeah, in Aurelia. Yeah, duplexes. Yeah. And how are, how are, how have those been for you? I mean, the rents are really great. Um, what are rents right now up there on a duplex? It's so like a, a three bedroom. I've got one going for 1675, two bedroom. I've got one at 1700, one at 1500. Oh, so, nice. um, and then if you don't mind sharing when you, what, what year did you purchase those approximately? 2020. One was March, 2020 and the other was December, 2020. And, and then how much did you pay for those roughly? Just under 500 K. Oh yeah. So good for you, man. Yeah. The cash flow is pretty good. Yeah. yeah best that's cash great. Flowing. It's yeah. funny you're saying that cause like literally every year we meet people who are like, well, you can't get properties anymore. Like they get, like I was told that I have a friend who will, I won't name his name cause some people listening to this know who it is. But in 1998, he told me, Tom, real estate's gone up now for like two or three years. Cause like <laughs> it bottomed out in 1996. Like if you don't know the long-term story of Canadian real estate, like it crashed in 90 and it, it was like a six year to the bottom. Yeah. And then it started turning up in 96 and it had gone up for like two years in a row. But that was our very formative years, right? Exactly. I guess I was 17 in 1990. So by the time 1998 came back, like we're 20 some odd years. And like all we had known is real estate prices that go down. As crazy as that yep. sounds, that's all we knew. It's like, oh, if you own real estate, how much did you lose this year? Exactly. And so they'd gone up for two years in a row. And I remember my buddy pulled me aside because I'm like, I'm getting into this real estate game. Like I just, I see every wealthy person I've ever met in my life or my family's life. Owns real estate. Owns real estate. No. I'm getting in. And he pulled me aside. He's like, Tom, it's about to crash. Like it's gone up for two years. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember thinking, oh my God. And I'm like, I remember telling him, I'm like, but the numbers, and Nick and I were looking at student rentals. Yeah. And I remember explaining, I'm like, well, the rent is this and my expenses are this. I go, I know it could go up and down, but who this cares? looks like it a can. good business to me. Like yeah. I collect this much, I pay this much. Like I just remember repeating it in my head going, <sighs> Why don't you understand this? It was something wrong with me or something wrong with you. <laughs> like I just couldn't get it. And so we were told that. And then I'll never forget that the tech run up. I was at Oracle and Nick and I owned Oracle shares and Oracle shares went up. But Nick and I were buying properties and I was flipping and everyone's like, what are you doing? Like it's a tech game, you know, like yeah. what are you doing? But it just kind of you get sucked into that world. And then once you understand it and you can have an information advantage because you understand what duplexes go for in Aurelia, Matt. And you understand what's going on in Kitchener and St. Catharines. Exactly. You, bo you both do. But that's information that's not very efficiently distributed. Absolutely. Oh. But in the stock market, we're yeah. all competing. And there's nothing wrong with it, of course. Yeah. I just mean you're looking for these arbitrage opportunities, but the information is being distributed so quickly. Whereas duplexes and rent, someone listening to this might not have heard that. If you didn't share it right now, Matt, mm -hmm. they yeah. wouldn't even know where to get that information. Yeah. Mo yeah most totally. of my friends, when I've told them that I have properties in Kitchener and St. Cat, they're like, they're googly eyed. They're like, why would you? So you, so far. you like drive <laughs> over there? Like you drive to Kitchener to buy You this? Toronto people, yeah. you Toronto <laughs> people. Jacking right? up the prices yeah, everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, But most people, when, when you you tell them what rents are in those cities their mind is blown because they're like that's what i pay in toronto and i'm like yeah well that's what people pay in kitchener for a house so the rents are the same you just get more square footage and then they're like oh i had no idea that's what you could get wow yeah so. crazy so then and then um matt we were talking before we started recording you had excuse me a closing in april of 2020 Funny so story. right in the middle of the covid the covid outbreak yeah, so what, what's going on here this is for, this is an investment property for you yourself this is an investment property okay. so it's a turnkey duplex i didn't even have a real estate agent i was just kind of looking on realtor and it came up and so i uh, i called the selling agent and i said hey like what's going on with this probably like we're taking offers tonight so hop in my car literally drive to aurelia it's pitch black and sorry when is this this, this is, is like march 2020 
Okay, so is our lockdowns in effect? Is it before uh, March break or after? I March? think lockdowns were not in effect yet. So the NBA was still playing games. The NBA was still playing games. When the NBA shut down, that's when if COVID, in my mind, officially yeah. started. <laughs> yeah, I, and I remember, I remember, yeah, lockdown didn't happen because I shook the guy's hand. So yeah, yeah. it was like COVID free. Um, so yeah, I saw the place in the pitch black. Couldn't really see much. I mean, I just saw like the inside, the outside. I'm like, oh, it looks pretty good, whichever. And he goes, I plan to see another property because I drove all the way out there. He goes, we gotta, we gotta move if you wanna, if you wanna put an offer and you gotta do it quick. So it was like kind of the high pressure sell, right? So I went, I met the, I went with the guy at Tim Hortons. Ended up filing an offer. Didn't see the second property. All was good. Got a handshake. Got the property. So I was like, whoa, this is fast. This is good. Um, then you know not the wheeler and dealer yeah now, like okay yeah. this works I Foddy, mean, you know what i just went up on a whim just yeah. picked up a property did a handshake deal we did the old yeah. handshake deal yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was easy because they had tenants and i knew what the tenants were paying so i didn't even have to find tenants or anything like it was fully already rented and stuff so that was good um and then when it came time to financing you know i thought everything was all good um then i got appraisal back from the bank and it was uh less than what i paid for it so i'm like oh man did i get did i get hosed here what's going on um, but it worked out, you know, kind of went through with the deal and time heals, right? Like time fixed it. Like now the property, why do you, just, do you think you overpaid in that moment? In that moment, it's possible I overpaid. Um, but I knew there were other offers. I went, I don't, you know, I went a little bit over listing, not the listing means, but anything, if, it, if but. you were still able to make money from the pro did it cash flow from the day one? $1,000 So a to month. me, that's, that's a thousand dollars a month. Yeah. So to me, it's like, if you know how to make money from an asset and pay a higher price than your competitor, can, I don't know if yeah. you've overpaid or not. Yeah. Like you're just, you know what you're doing and you have the higher knowledge to make use of that money. Totally. And uh, it's interesting what you said about appraisers though. It took us many years to understand that appraisers get direction from the banking system here in Canada. And I didn't know that. I always thought like, you know, an appraisal, an appraisal is an appraisal. Yeah. But there are certain times when banks are scared of what's gonna happen in the real estate market and they communicate out to their appraiser, appraisers. And I don't know if it's official or what, but we've heard this now so many times that I know it happens. For sure that they communicate out saying, hey, you better be conservative here because if yeah. something changes in the real estate market and we're underwater in the next 12 months, we won't be using you anymore. Exactly. And I don't know if it's communicated exactly that clearly, but that's the message. And we've heard that from different appraisers. And it's why sometimes they're more conservative on their appraisals. And you could be pointing a house like almost two doors down. And you're like, wait a second, that one is, you, you, that one just sold for yeah. like $100,000 more. How can this one be $50,000 less or $100,000 less than, than you're telling me. And it's just because they get this kind of communication. You're like, oh, shit, there's a little bit of a game going on within totally. the game here. Totally. And uh, it yeah. takes you a while to understand all these little things, right? Yeah, yeah. And I found out, like, the appraisal was like a drive-by. <laughs> they didn't even go in the property oh, or did, anything. It was yeah. One, yeah, it was a drive-by. drive-bys. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, I had a, a sweat moment. But, I, you know, I was had some good legal counsel and everything. I said, just go forward with it. Um, so did, and very, very happy I did. Cause and you got the fine. Did you have to come out of pocket for the difference? Yes. You did. Direct. Eh? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that difference. hurts. Yeah, that, that hurts. Because you weren't, you weren't expecting it when you signed the offer, right? But, um, you know, a year later, looking back, uh, very, it's been a good investment. Yeah, cash flow has been good, and property appreciation has been good in that year. So... Holy, so it you closed out. on that property. That was the era that just, it, we were discussing this briefly where it was like two types of investors. There was one type of investor we met that were like, I'm getting ready to sell everything. The world's coming to an end. Exactly. Sell all my properties exactly. immediately. And we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I think people are still going to pay rent. And they're like, no, didn't you hear? No one's paying rent. And we're like, no, like don't believe that just yet. Maybe it's true, but yeah. don't just believe that yet. And then we had another group of investors that were like, are there blood in the streets yet? I'll be buying anything. If there's deals out yeah. there, just call me right now. And we're like, it was like this weird dynamic here that we're like, holy smokes, you know? But there was that fear in that moment where all rent would stop. Exactly. Do you remember that? For like, we, remember. we thought that was gonna ha we thought that was gonna happen to us. We thought that our properties, like we we know all of our tenants, we know their jobs and what they do, and we're like, what if they stop paying us? So that's it's important to like have the cash flow and all that kind of stuff but yeah knock on wood through march april may like the height of all the covid craziness we had also tenants who unfortunately had temporary layoffs and things like that but they still paid their rent which is boggles well, my mind yeah, yeah and, and it comes down to because we saw that in 1990 as well yeah. that like although the market was not liquid at all no. nothing was selling especially higher end rents any family that we knew that had rental properties they were still collecting their rent 
And we learned that lesson. It's kind of why we always believed in starter homes. Yep. We were like, oh my gosh, in bad times, people still need a place to live. 100%. And even if you think they're not going to pay their rent, if you get into their mind, they have a family. Yep. They want, they need a roof. Do you want, if you have a, two kids, do you want to risk not having the roof over your head? Exactly. You're likely going to pay your rent. And that's when Nick started studying more uh, closely over the last eight or nine years about discretionary spe- uh, expenditure here in Canada. And you can see trends that like people will spend less on movies yep. and restaurants and stuff, but the payments towards necessities like groceries and rent always kind of stay, stay firm. And that gave us a lot of confidence like, okay, you know what, this is a need. And it's it's really interesting. There's a huge um, company in the States right now, and damn, the name's escaping me. But the, the, the head of it, it's an investment company. They wrote a beautiful shareholder letter. And the shareholder le- letter was all about why they were investing in tech companies and mm-hmm. different uh, crypto type companies. And they picked their 10 favorite assets that they invest in and single family rental homes. Yeah. Or it's the weirdest list because like yeah. here's our top ten list, and you see kind of like high growth network effect type tech companies yep. listed off there. You see some of the crypto stuff, and then right there in the list, single you family. see single family rental properties. Yeah. And I remember we just saw that this year. Yeah. And I'm like Nick, I'm telling you, we what we saw back in 1990, it's held firm now. What is that? Like 30 years, exactly. Like single family rental homes. Yeah. Always a demand. Yeah, and Harvard put out a study, and I'm not sure if you guys know this, that Harvard put out a study uh, looking back on 2008, 9, 10, 11. They thought they were going to find vacancies in multi-units really decreased and Mm -hmm. single-family home rentals increased. They found the reverse. Yeah. And there are some of their theories where it was like joint families joint, uh, getting together and renting Mm -hmm. a house and stuff, but single-family home rental vacancies didn't go up during that time, actually went down. Wow. Wow. And so I don't know if it holds true for the rest of time, but single family rental starter home category exactly is a very good liquid piece of real estate Absolutely. and the Canadian banks love them. Anyway, yeah. I know you guys are on board. I'm just thinking out loud here. Yeah. But God's uh, not making any more land. No, yeah. no, it is a exactly. scarce thing. And, and, and we can all use different analysis, whether it's a stock to flow type analysis, it's hard to duplicate how many properties are in Toronto. Yep. Right. Yeah. Um, and they're just getting smaller and smaller, smaller and smaller. And smaller. It's reminding me more of Europe exactly. and maybe maybe Egypt, like yeah. in Cairo and that kind of stuff. So fascinating to watch this develop. And I think if you're born here um, or if you're born in Winnipeg and you come here or if you're born in Toronto like I am, sometimes you don't realize what's going on. You know, there was a gentleman. Sorry, guys. Now I feel like I'm speaking too much. But there's a gentleman here from uh, he's a rock star member. He just got here uh, from Mumbai. And he said, Tom, you don't understand when, uh, you know, the member on your rockstar team here introduced me to a place called St. Catherine's or something, you know, he's trying to like, he's like, you know, he's trying to pronounce like what, what, you know, he did never heard of this place before. I'm like, yeah, St. Catherine's man. That's it. it, Yeah. It's a great spot. spot. And he's like, you can buy a single family home there for like 650,000. Like now an existing rockstar member that's been around for a while is going to be like 650 grand. That's like a ripoff for saying, I'll never, I will never pay 650. But he was like, Tom, you understand in Mumbai, we can't buy real estate like that yeah. and we can't get financing at 20% down. We'll have yeah. to put 80% or 100% Cash, to, yeah. to buy the property. So you can buy this property for 20% down. And he was going to duplex this particular one, I think. And he's like, here's the numbers on this property. He's like, this is like a no brainer. Yeah. So it's really interesting. You can have someone who's been in here in Canada for like 10 or 20 years going, that's a ripoff. Yeah. The same day we will have somebody else in here going, this is the best thing I've ever seen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's like, it's it's made me question a little bit like what is right and wrong or what is true and false? Like there's no real truth once you get beyond some basic, you know, principles in life. Totally. Beyond that, everybody else has their own truth. Their own truth. You know? Totally agree. So, uh, so where what what next for you guys? Do you sell all your properties? Do you keep them forever? What what's what goes on for you guys next? Yeah. I think we got a good strategy. I mean, the one that we've rented to that family for eight years, I think they plan to buy it out off of us. So yeah. we'll see how it, that goes. It may end up being a rent to own after all. Yeah, the rent to own comes back to, <laughs> comes back to get it you. Comes back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the other one's cash flowing well. So I think we're happy. Yeah. I mean, we and re, have you guys refined? Because that's, I think, a lot. And I yeah. guess I want to ask you that about 20-year-olds now looking at the market. Yes. Is that how you guys have grown? Like, have you retapped equity and refinanced and pulled out and used that money? Every five years, every, yeah. Everything that, yeah, every five-year cycle, we, we take we, we take a little bit out. We don't go crazy don't on our leverage, but yeah. no, we, okay. we take some out. And can yeah. you explain to someone listening who maybe might not um, understand why five-year cycle? Like, what's happening yeah. there? 
So, so every time you sign a mortgage, it's, it's on a five-year term, whether you do a fixed rate or, or a variable rate. So at the end of the five-year term, um, you basically renew the mortgage with your existing lender, or you can go to a new lender. It's up to you. And um, during that period, if there's equity in the property, which most likely there will be from the appreciation and the mortgage pay down, you can take up to 80% of the value or up to 80% of the value of the home as, as a refinance and take some of that equity out. Um, and you can do that tax-free. So um, if you have an investment property, that's generally speaking how some people are able to grow their portfolios because they'll take some equity out at the five-year point, buy another property, and then just keep keep doing that. So that's been insanely helpful for, for us to continue scaling That was that slide, homes <laughs> buying homes. Exactly. That was that freaking slide, man. <laughs> it was man. a snowball. Like yeah, yeah, you yeah. Had like well, because it does start slow. Yeah. Like it start, and, yeah. and I find most investors, you go through that painful period where you need to have patience that yes. sucks, mm-hmm. where you're like saving money from your salary, yep. but you don't have enough to buy another property. You can't qualify. There's not enough equity, and you're like, this real estate stuff just sucks. Yeah. But then it just starts to build. And now like you guys have a portfolio. If you map your, I don't know if you've ever done this. If you put the current value of your properties into a spreadsheet and then just picked an appreciation rate and gone forward another 10 years, if you see where that potentially can go. It's crazy. It's crazy. And there's no guarantee. How do you yeah. guys feel about that? There's no guarantee that it could go there at all. So how do you plan for that? Or yeah. what's your thinking around that? We have always just purely invested on the cash flow. And I think that was one thing and, and a big shout out to Tim for teaching us this. He basically said, look, get your spreadsheet, look at the cash flow and look at the mortgage pay down. Those are the only two things that are guaranteed. And if those numbers are, po- if you have positive cash flow and you know your mortgage is getting to get paid down because you have good tenants, great. Everything else, appreciation, all that, it's, it's just gravy. So we've always trained ourselves to let the appreciation come and ignore it and not factor it in. But yeah, if you look at historical appreciation and you you know, push that out five, 10 years from now, it's nuts. It's, like, it's almost unbelievable, no? If, if you're thinking about a $650,000 single family home in St. Catharines in 10 years, that 650 could be like a million. Like it's it's crazy how much um, appreciation that there's been over the last couple of years. That's it. I've been trying to use that as an example to share the idea with people that, listen, the home in St. Catharines is not changing. Yeah, It's the value. This is like where I try to get into my like sneak in my macroeconomic policy thinking to be. Yeah. I'm like, listen that the home in St. Catharines is what it is. It's the dollars in your pocket that are losing value. It's taking more and more of your dollars. My home, my rental property is not changing at all. I'm just demanding more of your dollars in rent. And if I sell it, I'm going to demand more of your dollars to sell it because your dollars are getting worth less and less every year. And And it's such like a mind shift. But, but I've been, I really believe that I'll, you know, over the next 10 years, the quality of our lives will be highly correlated to the quality of assets, assets. that you own. 100%. 100%. Yeah. It's, I mean, and it's, it's not even, I'm not even saying it's right. Yeah. Like I, part of me doesn't like it. Agreed. But because for people who unfortunately are not in a position to get assets, yeah. it's difficult behind. Yeah. yeah. So what would you tell? Okay. So the 20 year old, cause now you guys are in your thirties. Yep. Yeah. So now the 20 year olds walk in and they're like, well, Tom, it's too expensive. I'm not going to buy yeah. a property. I don't have, I'm there's, I'm, you know, and down payments have gotten a little bit larger, right? Because of, of the price, what, what, what would you say to them? I know there's no magic answer, but like, what's the approach? I would just say, you know, the first thing is don't leave your money in cash. Cash is, will just depreciate on you. I know you think it's there, but it'll depreciate. So, you know, scrape away, save up what you can. You don't have to buy a huge single family home to start. I mean, maybe you're in one of these crowdfunding real estate deals or you buy some REITs. I mean, just get started and put your money to work. I mean, just don't wait around. Yeah, I, I, I would also say like there's joint venture partnerships. So like that's like if you're getting started in your 20s and, and you're figuring out how to start investing, I think leverage joint ventures, like work with someone who brings something to, t- to the table. Like, so with Matt and I's partnership, I'm into the numbers and the analysis and, and, and Matt is, does an amazing job of handling like the properties and the tenants and everything. So we kind of found our sweet spot. So find I can tell handshake Matt over. He's yeah. doing handshake deals. You're <laughs> yeah. cr- you're behind the scenes crunching it. Matt, uh, crunching uh, Matt what did you just agree to? The yeah. number, yeah. the spreadsheet is not adding up. <laughs> not okay? adding up. Yeah. Like right now, Fadi's doing the taxes. I'm like dealing with all the tenants and fill-ins and all that. Yeah. So stuff. great partnership. So try to find somebody. Cause if you could partner like that, it's, it's uh, worth its weight in gold for it's, sure. It's but. a, it's a game changer. And then, and you can now pull your money and, and, and get into it that way. And, and, and when we started, so when we were doing this, 
all of our friends I remember at the time were like moving out and, and renting places and just like, you know, starting their lives. Like I, I pretty much like lived at home, I remember. And I know Matt was in the situation too. We lived at home as we were building up our portfolio and we were using that income that we were saving towards all these down payments. So you have to make some sacrifices. You're probably not going to be the cool one in your group that's, you know, living at your cool penthouse in Toronto and going on all your these friends trips. will call you a slumlord. Yeah. I don't know if that's ever yeah. happened to all you, but time. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's the slumlord over there. Yeah. Like, Damn it. But then two years later, they come by and say, hey, do you want to do a joint venture? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Tell me how that real. So yeah. how does that real yeah, estate thing work? work? Yeah. <laughs> Kitchener? Is that a place called Kitchener that yeah. you told me about? Yeah. So. So, yeah, it's 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 definitely. Things have gotten more expensive over the years, but I don't think it's impossible if, if, if you know, you, you make a couple of sacrifices and yeah, you find a good partner that you can work with or even more than one partner and you get started that way. Yeah. Cool. And you know, it's really cool that you guys were able to do it without an official joint venture agreement. I know you're saying not to agree on that, yeah. but I'm looking back of all the stuff I've done with Nick and some other people and it's just been friends. Like I flipped properties yeah. before with friends and we had no agreement. It was just like, okay, like 50, 50. Yeah. 50, 50. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, trust. yeah. 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 I remember you're, you're making me remind me of one property we were flipping in Oakville and we forgot to say the water heater was a rental when we sold it. And the buyer was so mad at us afterwards and we didn't know how to get out of the, and those contracts on those water yeah. heaters are like a pain to get yeah. out of. Yeah. We were trying to call and cancel it after we sold in the property. And he got so mad at one point, he left us a message saying, your rental water heater is at the curb. I threw it out of my front door and wow. we drove by and it was like literally on this guy's front lawn that he had just thrown the water heater up there. Wow. And I guess he had got his own in there so he didn't have to pay rent. I don't know. I can't even remember what exactly happened. And I'm like, you go through all these weird experiences, you know, like, well, you're trying to do good even and trying to make things right, but you're still screwing up all over the place. So, uh, yeah, that's cool to hear hear this story. And, and I, I just think your families 10 years from now they don't even, you don't even know how yeah. valuable this is going to be. Absolutely. So what, what else now in your life? You have your both careers. Are you guys at the same place still? Have you gone to different places? Different places, but we're still kind of connected in a weird way. Uh, like my, my company is now doing business with Body's company. So, I mean, it's been uh, a crazy road. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've, we've, we've both kind of branched out our careers and gotten more into the tech industry and the tech space, which has been awesome. Um, but yeah, we still kind of manage to find ways to work together and, and do things together, which has been great. And so you're both in the tech industry right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and is uh, Toronto still, I guess, tech jobs everywhere downtown? I know now I'm not talking COVID era, but you're still seeing that growth in, in Toronto for these types of jobs. It's exploding. Yeah. yeah. You, you, there isn't enough um, tech talent. I think the benefit that I've seen with COVID uh, especially is remote work has become more mainstream, which is actually very good from a talent acquisition perspective because there's only so many software engineers and, and product managers in Toronto. But now if, if companies are willing to have remote teams, you can hire somebody in Calgary. So what do you, that's interesting. Yeah. So what, what are your thoughts? Cause you're living in Toronto yep. right now, Matt, you're in Toronto, Toronto as well. As well. Yep. Um, <laughs> So do you think that bodes well for the city of Toronto longer term but with just a company that's like, well, screw it. I don't care if you live in Toronto because we're just going to, you know, if you're the best programmer and you're in Winnipeg, I'm just going to hire you from Winnipeg. You don't have to be here. What do you think about that dynamic? Does that change these cities at all? And I know every, I think everyone's trying to figure this yes. out longer term. What do you feel? My, Will my, you stay in Toronto? Yeah. I, I So I've, I've put my money where my mouth is. I, I bought a pre-construction condo with my fiance in downtown Toronto three years ago. I fully intend to move into it and I probably will live there for the next little while. Um, so I'm, I'm, I think there will be some people who move out of the city because they realize they don't need to be downtown anymore. But I think longer term cities will always continue to be like a hub for employment. They'll always be a hub for big head offices and companies, even from a recruiting perspective. And for you, what is it specifically? Is it like you like the rest, although yeah. restaurants haven't been open. I mean, yeah. aside from this COVID era, the restaurant, just yeah. the, the vibe of the city, that's what attracts you. I think the city and then just most people who I'm close with in my generation doing similar things to me, they're all still in Toronto. Like Matt lives 15 minutes away from me. Right. Yeah. So, and most of the people that I spend time with are all still there. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. Yeah, I, don't, so. I don't really see that changing either, yeah. but it is an interesting dynamic when you think yeah. that you can hire someone from anywhere. 
it's yeah. it's it's, it's kind of yeah. like yeah. I yeah the the city I guess the attractiveness of a city or the reason you stay in the city might change. It might not be for employment. It might be because there's a, some cool bars and exactly. some like you know yeah like going to a concert after work or a hockey game. I mean you can't really put a price on that. Just mm-hmm. you know that's 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 balance. That's, yeah enjoying sure. life yeah. yeah and when the Leafs win the Stanley Cup this year yeah Woo! I mean I want to be part go. of that parade yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's go with my yeah, Jets jersey yeah. on but six I'll be feet there. apart <laughs> as long as the parade if we have to do a parade for the Toronto Maple Leafs it'll be this year because of COVID yeah and if we have to stand six feet apart it means Young Street will go from here to, to Br- Vancouver yeah. it'll go yeah. right across the, it'll be the long we'll just annoy every major city we'll have to hook through Montreal of course so yeah. we'll have to go the wrong way absolutely the parade will have to go you heard it here yeah. if we win the parade must go through must Montreal must go through Montreal Way. And hook around for all yeah. my friends who made fun of me for that many years. I don't think Habs fans know. It sounds like you guys are both Leaf Leaf fans. Yeah, I'm, yeah. They're my second favorite team. Oh, who's the first? The Jets. 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 The Jets. Yeah. Damn, yeah, Jets yeah. are. But I like good. the Leafs. I want to yeah, see them do yeah. well this year. Yeah, but, we, uh, we used to drive to Buffalo to watch the Leafs play. Like, yeah, because you could get good yeah. seats for Buffalo. no yeah. no cause. No cause. I remember telling <laughs> my son when he was like, I don't know, I think he was six. I'm like, okay, do you want to go to a Leaf game? And he's like, yeah. And I hadn't been in years. You know, get married and I had kids and yeah. we're starting a business and the whole bit. And I'm like, okay, I guess we'll go to a Saturday night hockey night in Canada game. And I promised him, I think it was the Edmonton Oilers or whatever. And then I went on to get the tickets and I'm like, oh my God. We're driving to Buffalo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I made the commitment, so I took them. But I think it was like $800 for one Saturday night. Like tickets, parking, some food. And I bought them like, I don't know, a scarf or a hat. I bought them something. It's like 800 bucks. I'm like, this is insane. So yeah, the Buffalo is just totally the way to go, and Great you got the real fans. That, you know, yeah. it's just a little it's bit an awesome more. Day trip. Yeah, yeah, totally uh, yeah. ruckus. Yeah. And, and I think when when they play the national anthem, there's like a handful of people that actually stand yeah. up. Everyone, <laughs> all the Americans are like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, forget <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's a good vibe. It's yeah. a good vibe. good vibe. So then, what about family? So, um, are you Matt m- married? F- Getting married in August. Oh, yeah. Geez. Okay. So, Coming what about up. your wife with all this real estate stuff? Dump it or keep it? Uh, she's she's on board? good with it. She's on board. Yeah, she yeah. she sees the vision. She likes real estate. So. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. She's um, a supporter. You guys are both. Are you guys t- technically the millennial generation? You guys are millennials. No. Eighties. Yeah. Is yeah. that? Yeah. yeah Eighty-six. I don't like to associate with millennials. Oh. Oh. Jeez. Okay. <laughs> Hit on the sore. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Got it. Got we're, it. We're no, like just, the, the later. The later stage. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. okay. I never know where the cutoff is. I just mean I like meeting people in their thirties who, it feels talking to you guys like there's hope. Yeah, because I meet some people who are younger, who are, you know, giving up a little bit on like, listen, I'm never going to be able to do this. And I'm like, no, that's what we've all thought at certain stages. Just keep going. going. You're going to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. And Fadi, with with you, your fiance. No, you're not married. Getting married in October. Like our our weddings are like a few months apart. apart. And uh, she's on board with everything on the real estate front. She loves it. She she can't wait to do a fixer upper and flip. So no that's way. That's what our next project will end up being. Yeah. Yeah. She oh, likes wow. the design and, and the renovations and, and all that kind of stuff. So I think that'll be our next project. Yeah, cool. And I think there's going to be a lot of op- interesting opportunity for that in Toronto, because as we've evolved as a city, yeah. there's just more and more people that want to buy properties that are like set up in a certain way that have the spa in there or certain yes. lifestyle type properties, amenities, like all these yeah. amenities. And it really gives an advantage to uh, someone who's flipping who understands this. Ruben on our team has mastered that for years. He's yes. always done lifestyle type flips Absolutely. and charged a premium. Instead of just, I'm going to fix up the three-bedroom bungalow, he's always gone a, one step higher. Yeah. And it is a little more dangerous because if the market turns against you, Absolutely. you're, you're going to be stuck with that property. You're going to have to rent it out and hopefully it covers. And, but if it hits... Wow, yeah. you can really profit off it. Yeah, I've I've watched Ruben over the years. He's a master at. at what he's he a. Does. I've been scared yeah. for him for a decade. Yeah, like every flip he's done, I'm like, dude, you know, you could lose everything right now. Yeah. you could lose everything. He's like, no, Tom, I got this. Like, I, I know what I'm doing. I, and he does. He's he has like your analysis. He's yes. in front of his spreadsheet, but he's also got like this creative aspect to him. Absolutely. So if you ever need to chat with him or whatever, we can make that introduction. You just let yeah. us know. Yeah, I would love that. And then what else in, is go, goes on in your lives? You're into still uh, stocks and stuff part of your lives right oh, yeah kind of diversified all around yeah correct? yeah yes. I, I think i think we got to a point where we're like hey all of our net worth is in this real estate <laughs> yeah, <stuff>. yeah. <laughs> maybe we should like try do something, something else, else yeah, just yeah. in case like ha- have a little bit of liquidity yeah, you know yeah, that'd be a good yeah. thing you know some money lying around it's somewhere. funny it's, it's funny because like it's it's yeah. in the last year i've met people that have been like 
all one way. And I never know really what the right answer is because yeah. I've met people who say, hey, I'm too heavy real estate. I need to diversify. I've recently met some people who are like, okay, listen, I'm all in this crypto stuff. Yes. And I need to diversify. And it's funny because like everyone's trying to get to the other, other side camp, side. Yeah. right? Or I'm all into stocks, for example. I yeah. haven't met as many who are all into stocks anymore, but I'm sure there's tons of them. I'm just not crossing yeah. paths. And everyone wants to get a little piece of something else. You want that hedge, right? Like, holy smokes, if this doesn't go right. But having said that, I will tell you, everyone in my life who I've seen make a lot of money has not diversified until they've said, okay, that's enough. And now I'm just in my protection mode. Exactly. So I never know how to answer the question because someone will ask us like, okay, I'm all in on real estate. I did tell one of our members, he has a bunch of properties and a ton of equity. And he asked about doing some stuff. And I'm like, if you feel like that's the right move, yes, sell one of your properties because yeah. you don't want to have that regret. Yeah. If you feel it's right, sell a property and pick up this stuff that you're talking about here, do it. And a few other members, uh, Rockstar members have recently said, hey, I've done really well. I want to buy a vacation property, but I feel guilty. Yeah. Because it doesn't generate income and, you exactly. know, cash flow and all this stuff. I'm like, listen, man. So life's you've worked hard. Yeah. Yeah. We're all getting, Nick and I bought that place in Croatia many years could, before we could really afford it. Yeah. Looking back, it's not a very expensive place, but at the time, it might as well have been $10 million. Okay. Yeah. But the memories that you have. Totally. So you got to live. Enjoy have to, life. Too. Have yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. 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 I, th- I think we, we did all of that crazy stuff in our twenties to allow us to do like some of the fun stuff that we're doing now. But yeah, I, I agree. I think you got to get to a point where. You've, you're comfortable with what you have and then you know you're you're buying a vacation home you're, you're doing other things like that to enhance your lifestyle because if you're just like invest 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 and that's all you do like that it's boring sucks. and no one's going to want to hang out yeah, with you it sucks. yeah yeah <laughs> no you know it's yeah. not fun gotta right? have some fun yeah and, and then one one last thing I, I wanted to share is that it'll be interesting to see what you guys do because nick and i got busy with life mm-hmm. and some properties we didn't forget about them but we kind of forgot to refinance them yes mm-hmm. and then 10 years goes by and i know that sounds crazy that 10 years can go by. Yeah. But some properties, when you don't refinance them, you look back, you're like, not only did they get a bunch of appreciation, but the mortgage has been paid down quite a bit. And you're like, holy shit. That's kind of why I like real estate because it just sits there and works for you. It's like yeah. forced you, savings. It's, it's like, really like a forced savings bank. Yeah. And I'm not, a, Nick's much more detail oriented than I am. Yeah. So real estate works for my personality because it's like, whether I'm there or not, yeah. it's, it's, still it's still working. Yeah. And so another 10 years from you guys, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm pumped happens. for you guys. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think we'll, we'll both individually kind of keep building our portfolios over the years, leveraging like some of the experiences we had, but we'll just try different strategies. Like we've always done the, you know, start our home and, and, and rent it out and kind of hold it. I, I would love to learn more about like flips and renovations and try, you know, doing a flip and then renting it out and seeing how that works. So I, I, there's a lot of strategies. So mu- and I'll tell you, we're yeah. going to do a new class here at Rockstar um, with a with a guy who you might know who's who got his license. He's a member, got his license now, joined the team. And he's done a young guy. Mm-hmm. He's in his 20s still. He's done a really good job for himself buying corner lots and yeah. severing. Smart. I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, so he's been really killing it. Yeah. He's so he's basically buying one lot, and there's also a group of other guys. I'm thinking now of Charles Zawa and that ho- that whole yeah. crew, where they're doing the same thing. They're buying lots. I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this. I don't yeah. think he does. And they're buying a lot and they're severing it, severing it. or they're getting one lot and rezoning it from single family and putting a duplex on it, like a sorry, a side by side duplex. Yes. So like a semi detached home, but each semi is a duplex. Yeah. So turning a single family home wow. into actually four. Units. Four units, yeah, wow. and the opportunity there is interesting because yeah. it's a little bit more hassle. You're dealing with the city, you're dealing with contractors, so it takes an advanced skill set. But yes. you guys have so much of the skill set now. Exactly, you can see these infill projects, and if you can buy a lot and sever it, yeah, now you're getting almost a chunk of land for. And he's done that on a few where the 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 first property is paying for the whole thing for the whole thing. Awesome. So yeah. you chop off a piece, almost like you got a free piece of land to build on. Exactly. Like that's kind of mind blowing. So I think that opportunity as Toronto gets built out Absolutely. is going to catch a lot of people off guard and sure. there'll be a barrier to entry to that. So it's good you guys are getting into this now yeah. because you know so much about dealing with banks and the financing. So you can now understand construction loans and contractors. It's not that complicated. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've followed Charles Waugh and Andy Tran and some of the projects that they've done in Hamilton and St. Catharines. They're Catholics. crazy. And I, I, and I think, yeah, I think... As, I mean in a good way. Yeah. I, I mean as a compliment when I say that, it's, by the it's, way. It's yeah. awesome. It's And yeah, as, as land gets more scarce, cities will eventually realize that they need to create more residential units and, and hopefully the licensing and, and, and government regulation around it becomes like easier to manage. But 
that is a viable strategy. Like you have one large piece of property and then you just make more units out of it. When, when you talk to your friends, and, and uh, we'll wrap here, yeah. when uh, you talk to anyone talk about the population growth of Toronto? Like tech is obviously booming in Toronto and stuff. Does, do people in realize? I don't think so, no. Because I feel like we've yeah. been trying to scream it from the top of the hill. Like, oh my gosh, yeah. do you know how many people are I coming here? So. Like, look at your family. Yeah. Uh, Ali, who was just here, uh, you know, that I was just talking about, who his family moved to London and opens yeah. up shawarma restaurants. Uh, Tahini's uh, over there is kind of like, I feel like he's building an empire over there. There's all these great families that are, are coming to Canada nonstop. nonstop. The gentleman from India that I just mentioned talking yeah. about St. Catharines. Yeah. I mean, it's just continual. So the, the funny thing is, so I live in Liberty Village in, in Toronto, and I always look at the historical price per square foot of, of, of like condos and, and whatnot in my neighborhood. And basically from like 2011 to 2015, Liberty Village was selling, you probably know this, for like five, four to 500 bucks a square foot. And it literally stayed the same. It was going up like a couple percent here and there. 2016, when the immigration laws changed and Trudeau came, came in, like you're looking at a line graph and it just goes up and to the right. And every single year when immigration started pouring in, you're going from $500 a square foot to 600. And I think now it's trading at like 950 a square foot since 2016. And I think, yeah, that's what immigration is doing. But most people don't. Don't. And, and it's frustrating to me when yeah. I see stuff in the media, they're like this crazy real estate market, like yeah. the real, almost like they're blaming Canadians for taking on too much debt. And I'm always like, wait a second here. The government's holding down interest rates. Yeah. Our population growth is crazy, crazy. through immigration. Yeah. So when you mix in cheap money with more people, people. and then the supply has not kept up, I, I go, why is this like, this is to me, real estate prices are a symptom of these fundamental, fundamental factors. factors. They're not really like anything else than that. And it's kind of frustrating to debate with people like what price real estate should be yeah. when you don't look at the fundamentals that way. Exactly. Guys, I, re I totally appreciate yeah. this, man. Uh, if people want to track you down, what's the best way to track you down if they want to, or, or do you want to Renee, uh, keep first names only? <laughs> yeah, no. Do you, I mean, wanna, you wait. can find me on LinkedIn, Matt Wilson, if you want to DM me or whichever. It's great. Yeah, you cool. can uh, look me up, Foddy Daywood on LinkedIn. Happy to answer any questions. Um, I'll yeah. have both your names then yeah. on the show notes for this episode at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash podcast. I'll have your LinkedIn profiles linked out there Sounds so we great. can track you guys down. Guys, you did not have to share your story. Like, you don't have to come on here and do this. So I really, really thank you. Yeah. And thanks for trusting us at that old office and that presentation <laughs> when I was giving you the pitch. the pitch. Thank God for Tim Hong, because yes. I don't think without Tim Hong that we would have been sitting here right now. Yeah. So Life-changing moments. Tim Hong, <laughs> Dave Butler, and Chris Gatto. All of them yeah, were yeah, influential yeah, 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 people yeah, yeah, on yeah. the way. And Jerry cool. Gatto, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Jerry Gatto. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Tom. Thanks so much. Hey, everybody. So hopefully you enjoyed that show with Fadi and Matt. And if you want more information from them directly, they're both on LinkedIn. You can track them down and reach out to them that way. And you can get more information about them on the show notes of this episode. And those show notes are always available at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash podcast. And if you want to come out to our next introductory training class and learn what we are doing here at Rockstar, getting, or you want to get some free copies of our books or reports or anything like that, you can get all of those things at rockstarinnercircle.com. That's rockstarinnercircle.com. Or you can get our app at ylytapp.com. That's ylytapp.com. That's it for now. Until next time, your life, your terms.